Uh, this is the last week, actually. It's week four, four-week series. Um, kind of looking at this question of like, who are we and where are we going as a church in this place? Like, kind of, you know, it's the combination of a long process of kind of discernment we've been on. And um, last couple of weeks, we were looking at um, values, like what are the things that are really important for us that like, we've got to hold true to um, as a church. Um, and the week before that, we looked at something called our mission mandate, which I think is on the next slide, um, which is kind of uh, this statement that kind of just says what we're about, why we're here, what we exist for as a church. And we've expressed it like this, um, inviting and equipping people to be apprentices of Jesus, apprenticeship to Jesus, that kind of journey of um, being with Jesus, becoming like him, and doing the kind of things that he would do in the world if he were us. Um, and from that, kind of being formed by him, um, because this is about what we're becoming, um, to be a visible presence of renewal where he has placed us. That like, you know, this sense that we're all in different spheres of life across the city, um, um, we, we live in different streets, we have different friendship groups, we have different things that God and you know, passions that he's placed in our hearts, different areas of the city that we're called towards, um, different workplaces that we live in or you know, kind of um, interest groups that we're part of. And, and God wants to kind of infuse um, our, our kind of participation in those spheres with meaning. He, he wants to transform us and make us to be in every sphere of our life a visible presence of the kind of renewal, the hope that he is bringing, a kind of like a foretaste, a little glimpse of kind of what God's about, of kind of the world that he's trying to create. Um, we believe that God wants to make us into that so that people will see it, so they'll be drawn into it, so that they can know the good news of Jesus themselves. Um, what I want to do today is I want to look at the question of how. Like how do we become that kind of people like how do we move forward into that like it's not just a light switch like how, how, how does that happen I want to begin by just looking at scripture if you have a bible do f- grab one follow along but it will be on the screen um, we're looking at 1 Corinthians if I can find it chapter 9 uh, reading from verse 24 so Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he says this he says Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I have run two like formal, you know, like race, half marathons in my life. One was when I was 17 and um, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and I basically couldn't really be bothered to train. Well, I know that's not, that's not entirely fair. I did, but I just went for like about, I think it's like five to seven runs. In fact, one of my runs I, was a disaster. I thought it was a really good idea. We were in the south of France on holiday with my family. It was like burning hot. And I was like, I'm going for a run, guys. Um, I took a bottle of water with me. I think I went out for about 10 minutes. And after that, I put most of it on top of me um, and sort of crawled back to the house eventually. Anyway, the race came, and I, I did this race. 
but it wasn't great at all. Like, it was slow, it was hard, it was difficult. In fact, the last mile, honestly, I thought I was going to die. Like, my friend who I was running it with basically dragged me over the finish line. Um, I'm not sure if he was there, I'd have made it. I did another one about three years ago, and um, I trained properly. Like, I really went for it. Like, I started training ages out, um, you know, different types of training, sprint training, long-distance training, like to get my speed and, and, um, and kind of um, endurance up. And I ran it 25 minutes quicker than I had when I was 17. Like, Paul here is, is speaking into a reality that you, you, you can't just turn up and turn it on. You, you can't just rock up at a race and expect to get the result you want. You know, it's the Winter Olympics right now. Um, I don't know if anyone fancies themselves as a kind of budding Olympian. Um, I've always liked to think that I'd be good at a sport if I laid my hands to it. The reality is, if I turned up to do, I don't know, the downhill skiing, you know, it would be a, tra a tragedy. They'd be taking me home in an ambulance. Because you can't just rock up and turn it on. You can't just rock up and make it happen. You've got to train. And that training takes years. It's a long, disciplined process. And if once you've trained, when you come to that kind of moment, you have that which is within you, which is required to kind of um, to, to, to do the thing. And, and, and Paul here is, is, is using this kind of athletic metaphor to speak into the kind of journey of apprenticeship to Jesus. He says, do not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. I don't know if anyone's ever run a race, but you don't win a race by kind of, like, you know, bobbling around, oh, I wonder what's going on over there. I wonder what's going on. You, know, you, you win a race by, like, your head's down, you're facing the finish, and you just go for it. Your focus is getting over the line. It's, it's nothing else. You're, you're not worrying about anything else. In that moment, your focus is where you're going, and, and that is your sole focus, nothing else. Paul says, run in such a way to get a prize. Fix your eyes on that and run towards it as if there's no other objective going on. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. He says they'll get it, you know, they're doing it to kind of get a, a medal. You know, it's nice, but it doesn't, you know, you die and, well, the medal goes in the bin or it gets handed on to a family member. Like, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know, the life with Jesus is not one that stops in this life. It's one that continues into the next. They says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. Like Paul is using the kind of language of discipline, of practice, of commitment, of strict training, and applying it to the journey of apprenticeship and saying, look guys, if there's not a degree of kind of intention and consideredness and intent, it's not going to go very far for you because you're going to be a bit like someone rocking up at a race like me, having just gone on a couple of runs and hoping for the best. And, and that kind of approach doesn't get you that far. I love what Dallas Willard said. He said this. He said, the general human failing is to want what is right and important but at the same time, not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it reality. 
We intend what is right, but we avoid the kind of life that would make it reality. You know, th- this is the phenomenon that like, occurs every Christmas where, you know, streams of people get really excited and think, 2022 is going to be the year of fitness. I'm going to be healthy. And so they go and like, get out a gym membership for Christmas. And they're really excited. They've got a New Year's resolution. I'm going to be fit and healthy this year. I'm going to hit the gym. And you know, they pick this gym out, and it's exciting. It's got great facilities. There's nice coffee in the coffee shop. Like, you know, th- th- there's all the different machines. And they turn up week one, and, and they go to the gym. And you know, it's really exciting and new and great. And, but they have a workout, and it's quite hard. Um, and a and, and bit difficult, and roll on a couple of months, and they're not going to the gym at all. You know, the intention's there. The intention's there because that person wants to be fit and healthy, but they haven't adopted the kind of life and lifestyle that is required to kind of become that fit and healthy person. And of course, if you want to become a fit and healthy person, intention will only get you so far. You've also kind of got to you know, develop a, a fairly disciplined kind of regime of, hey, I'm going to go to the gym twice a week, and I'm going to, you know, go for a swim, and I'm going to lift a couple of weights, and I might go for a jog, like, and I'm going to do that long term and see what happens. And I think, you know, what Willard's saying here is, is, is so true of the journey of following Jesus. You know, we, we all want to grow in, in intimacy in our walk with him. We all want to know more of God's love for us. We all want to kind of live more boldly for him in the world. We all want to kind of live in his way. We all want to grow in the fullness of life and be a blessing to others and become this kind of visible presence of renewal. But I think so easily, we kind of just hope that will happen within the kind of existing framework of what we're doing. And we don't take the time to reflect on the kind of life that is required to produce the kind of fruits that Jesus talks about in his word. It's not a case of just turn it up and turn it on. You know, if if you haven't got patience within you, you're not going to be able to be particularly patient in the moment. You know, if, if you haven't got the love of God within you, in that moment where, you know, you've got an opportunity to love someone, it's going to be very hard for you to give something that you haven't got. You know, this is about a kind of disciplined training, kind of orientation to life that doesn't just hope for the life of God, but actually stops and considers what lifestyle would be required for the life of God to be poured out into my life. And for us as a church, I, I think what this is about is it's, it's about practices, you know, things we do regularly over the long haul that produce transformation. This isn't about like a kind of push button, pull lever, bang, sorted. This is about a faithful obedience in the right direction. This is about faithfully committing to a few things over the long haul, but trusting that those things are actually going to have an impact in our life, a transformational impact in our lives, and help us to become ever increasingly um, the people that God has made us to be. Um, and so we've got kind of four words that, that articulate the kind of four practices, I think, that, that we, we believe that if we give ourselves to these... Um, they will help us. They will kind of orientate our life towards God, allowing him to transform us and make us the people he's made us to be. So the first one, David, I don't know if you want to move on to 
Uh, you might have to skip forward two. Genius. Um, the first one, I won't have a drink, is this, empower. You know, get your directions and fuel. If, if you want to live the life of Jesus, you've got to know what the life of Jesus is. You, you've got to kind of be envisioned for it, and you've got to be equipped into it. Like, it, it's, it's no use just kind of like hoping that you know it. You know, the reality is we all leak, and the reality is we are all always, every single one of us, myself included, operating off a kind of incomplete picture of who God is and the life that he's created us for. We're constantly needing to kind of re-immerse ourselves in that, re-kind of marinate ourselves in that juice to remind ourselves this is the life that God has called us to. You know, particularly as those of us living in a world where there's so many different competing messages and things coming at us. Like, unless we are you know, being regularly reminded of this is the life that God has created us for, it kind of just slowly slips away. And for us, what it, the, the key practice of being empowered for us, I think, is, is what we come and do on Sundays. That, that we come and we gather together um, in a setting where I think, I hope, um, and we want to grow in this, we don't profess to be perfect at this or even, um, you know, halfway there. We want to get better, but where I hope two things happen. One, that we do impart a sense of vision of the life of Jesus, of what this life is, of who he is, of what he's calling us into. And, and I, I hope and pray that we will do that and do that ever more in such a way that doesn't just kind of paint a picture of this life, like, oh, you know, to be a follower of Jesus, to be a person of forgiveness. Well, that's nice, but how the heck do I become a person of forgiveness? I hope we can do that ever increasingly in a way that helps us learn how to become a forgiving kind of people, or a loving kind of people, whatever it is we're talking to, into. You know, we need to be empowered, given that vision, and equipped into that life. And the second thing that I, I hope, you know, happens on Sundays, and this isn't something we can conjure up, but, but we do seek to kind of create an environment where this is possible. Oh, sorry, David, um, go back to empower. We'll sit on that for a while. Um, one more. One forward, and you'll be there. Um, and the other thing that I do hope happens is that we, this is a place where we can meet with Jesus, where we can encounter God. Like, you know, it's only by the Spirit of God that we are transformed. It's not by willpower. And so we want to create a space where we meet with him, where we come to know him, where we grow in our love for him, and, and where there's, there's space for him to, to transform us. And not that that's like, all, it just happens on Sundays and then the rest of the week's kind of just a living out of that. But, you know, I hope that it happens on Sundays such that it's something that we can kind of then pattern into our week. That, you know, we learn kind of together in the encouragement of being with one another, um, you know, how to meet with God. And from that place of practicing it here with each other in the safe place, we can go and do that in our homes, in our workplaces, wherever we are throughout the week and continue to, like be with him, know his presence with us wherever we are. So the first practice is empower. The second one is deepen. Join with others in apprenticeship to Jesus. Um, there's kind of something that crept out of the Victorian age that was this. It was a view that Christianity or faith is a private matter. Um, but the reality when you read that when you read the scriptures, is you don't see that. Faith isn't a private matter. It's personal, sure. But it's not private. It's always something that is practiced in the context of community. Like, you know, Jesus doesn't just kind of give us a life. 
He calls us into a church, into his people. You know, that, that's not, he doesn't do that for fun. Like, he does that because that's part of how we experience and grow into the life of God. We need to do it with one another. Like, there is a reality, it's a bit like a kind of coal out of a fire. I don't know if you've ever taken like a coal out of a fire or an ember that's kind of spat out of your, you know, your wood fire. Like, embers in a fire stay hot and glowing for a long time. An ember that's kind of come out of the fire and gone on its own quickly dies away. You know, we need to kind of find ways of joining together on this journey to encourage one another, to pray for one another, and to, to, to challenge one another, like that we might live his life. You know, I said earlier, but there's so many, like to the extent that we don't even realize it's happening, different messages and worldviews that we're kind of surrounded with the whole time of what it means to live life, what, what the good life looks like, of how we should live, of what's important, of what's not. Bearing in mind that we are being barraged with that, we need a setting where we can remind one another and hold one another in what is actually true about the world. That is the way of Jesus. And so we, we want to, the second practice is deep and to join with others in this. And, and for us, this is... Um, this is going to primarily look like kind of small communities of people within the church who gather together to just share this journey of apprenticeship together. And one of the things that I want us to work on this year is, is how we do that. Um, if you've been with us um, up to this point, you'll probably be aware that currently we've got home groups. There's a number of people in them. They've been going for a while. They've been going really well. Um, uh, we've also got hubs. Hubs are kind of small groups of they're a bit more sort of um, organic and informal, I suppose, than a sort of home group. Um, they're a bit smaller as well. Um, and we've learned really interesting things from both of those groups. But the other thing I think we've come to realize, is, as well as, hey, hubs have taught us some new things, home groups have taught us some stuff, we've also realized there's a whole swathe of people who, for lots of different reasons, don't, you know, haven't managed to find that kind of setting helpful. Maybe you've been to a home group in the past and you really hated it. It was really difficult to get out of it. And, and now you're like, gosh, I really don't want to sign up for another one because I might be trapped until eternity you know, ends. Like, and, and, and so you're terrified of joining. And, and we, so what we want to do is we want to think about how we do that such we can cultivate, it might be one model, it might be a multiplicity of models, I don't know. But so we can cultivate stuff that works for everyone so that everyone can find that. Because... What this is about is not the model. It's about what the model facilitates. It's about joining together with others in community in our apprenticeship to Jesus. And how we do that, I honestly couldn't care less. It, as long as we make that happen in a way that works for, for as many people as possible. And so we want to spend a bit of time over this next year thinking about that. Um, but we really believe that that's important, that some way of coming together Sharing discipleship with one another is essential to growth in Jesus. The third practice is this, relate. Engage relationally in love with those where we are placed and called. You know, I said at the beginning, we, we all live in different places. God has placed different people groups, different areas of the city, of the world, and our hearts. Like we, some of us work, some of us don't. Some of us are friends with people over here. Some of us are friends with people over there. Um, and God wants us to engage in those places. And where does that start? It starts in engaging in relationship 
with the people who are around us. It starts with reaching out and investing more in the people who God is placing in our immediate sphere, finding ways to kind of love them and bless them and deepen our relationship with them. You know, that can be as simple as just connecting with that friend who we know but we kind of often forget to kind of keep in touch with and just saying, well, actually, why not, why not I kind of make a conscious effort to do this on a more regular basis? Let's go for coffee monthly. You know, you can't be a visible presence of renewal, as I said week one, in a cupboard. You know, that which is in a cupboard isn't visible. You know, and, 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 and the, the life of Jesus is always one, the mission of Jesus is always one that's outworked through relationship. It's outworked through relationship, and, and relationships that have meaning are the ones we commit to, the ones we invest in, the ones that we genuinely seek to love people in. Because always people just become an object for our kind of like usage or something, but a, a relationship of love is one where we value the other person for who they are as we see them, even if they don't see themselves as this, as someone who's created the image of God. That is the start place of mission. And so we believe that the third practice that is essential is to just engage relationally in the places where we are. And that might just mean, and it probably will, not 50 people. It might just mean one or two people. We just feel like, I just really feel like I want to connect a bit more with these people and bless them and engage with them and share my life with them that they might share theirs with mine. So the third practice is relate. Um, and, and, And with relate, I think, that's one side of it. The other side that I, I want us to work on, and I hope we'll get to it later this year, but it's creating platforms for relationship. Because it's very easy um, to connect with a person in your workplace. But if you feel like God's placed in your heart, I don't know, um, a part of the city, Eastern, like, how on earth do you engage relationally there? When you just turn up and start walking around talking to people, that's a bit odd, isn't it? You need a platform, some kind of means to enable you to kind of relate to the people who God's put on your heart. And we've got some of those already at church, but I, I want us to kind of go through a process of just owning some of them a bit more and working out what they should be. Maybe there's a one we need that we haven't got that we can kind of release people into that. So, for example, toddlers is, um, is, an, is a great example. We run a toddler group on Tuesdays. There's oh gosh, there must be like 40 or so um, parents and their kids who come each week. Um, and, and, and what toddlers is, is, is it's two things. It's an, a way in which we serve the community. By, you know, it can be quite lonely if you're a parent at home with your child all day. And it just creates a space where people can kind of connect with others. And it also creates a space where we can connect with um, people who live locally. Like, we probably wouldn't be able to connect with them short of a platform like toddlers else we'd have to go around door knocking, which is just a bit weird. But Toddler just creates a platform for that. You know, if you feel like God's put, I don't know, the people of Easton on your heart, for example, you know, a number of people in this church are part of um, the TLG, Transforming Lives for Good scheme. It's a platform. Um, and what that is a platform for is it, it kind of links um, individuals up um, in a kind of mentoring relationship with a child in Easton school to enable um, them to be supported. Again, it's a platform. You need those platforms if we're going to relate in the fullest sense. And so we want to kind of develop that and own that as, as a church. The fourth word um, that we've got in many ways is the centre one. If you can imagine these as a picture, and I should have put the diagram up. I forgot about that, never mind. Um, but with pattern at the centre and the others surrounding it, this is kind of the central one. And it's this, forming rhythms of life 
that are centered on Jesus. You know, what Willard said in that quote is so true. We intend to do what's right, but we avoid the kind of life that would make it possible. And what this practice is about is it's about actually stopping, considering on our own and then sharing it with, you know, one or two trusted others, what our rhythm of life looks like. You know, this is a practice that, that has its roots, you know, so far back in the earliest days of the church. I think it comes from the Benedictine movement. And, and at that time, they called it something that it's still called today, but um, that is a rule of life. Um, and, and a rule of life, um, I don't love the language because it just sounds a bit legalistic and people then resist it and think it sounds boring and it's not. But anyway, um, all it is really at its simplest level is it's, it's, it's stopping considering how am I living my life in different spheres. So you might think of how am I serving others? How am I being generous? What's my kind of prayer pattern? How am I you know, practicing hospitality? Like, you know, different areas of life. You just stop, consider it, and then commit to some things that you kind of actually write down. And so you kind of give yourself something to kind of hold yourself to, work towards, for others to encourage you in. It's a, it's a point of kind of stepping back, and instead of just hoping that the life of Jesus will manifest itself in our life, stepping up and asking God, what is the kind of lifestyle that I need to adopt to, to, to enable your life to pour out into mine? And maybe there's some changes that need to be made. Maybe there's some areas where actually I just need to keep on doing the same things faithfully. But it's, it's that moment of stepping back and considering that rather than just hoping that it kind of works. Um, and I think this is something that's going to be really important for us as a church. I don't think it's something we're necessarily going to get to, to, to doing this year. I think it's going to be a, a, a big focus and a big piece of, of work. But each of us as individuals, but probably within a kind of overall corporate pattern of we're all kind of, we've all got a practice of service, we've all got a practice of prayer, you know, but what that looks like for each of us will look unique reflecting on that, sharing that with, with others, you know, in the context of, um, you know, doing this relationship with Jesus with others, um, such that we can actually live the kind of life that brings about the kind of thing that we intend, that our intentions and our lifestyle match up, thereby enabling God to pour his life into us and transform us. I think I said this last week, but... Um, I think success for us as a church is not going to come from pulling the right lever, pressing the right button, doing the right ministry. It's not going to come through that. It's, it's going to come through a faithful commitment to the right practices, things that, that, that we genuinely believe are going to enable God to change us, but faithfully committing to those things over the long haul. And I think the danger... The danger of, 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 of Christianity, particularly in the West, um, particularly in a, an age where you know, if I want a meal, I could order it on Deliveroo and it could be here in like 20 minutes if I'm lucky. You know, if I want a, a product, I could order it on Amazon. It will be at my door tomorrow morning. If I want to watch a film this evening, I haven't got to go to Blockbusters. They don't even exist. I just, um, I just turn on Netflix and, you know, flick through, pick the one I fancy from a almost infinite collection and hit go. We're used to a kind of um, instant, quick fix way of living. 
And I think that the danger is that we project that onto the life with Jesus. That we hope that we can basically just do a thing as a church or um, you know, start a practice of prayer and magically everything will change and it will all be amazing. And the reality is that's just not how it happens. And there is a very real danger that particularly if we're a bit, you know, in a period where things are a bit dry in our journey with Jesus, that we tack towards the kind of, um, uh, the, the spirituality of the novel. You know, novel, new things excite, they entertain. You know, like, um, you go to a new church, and it's exciting at first because it's different to the church you're at before, and you see all the good stuff, and, you know, it's not like all the bad stuff that your old church was part of, and, uh, you know, it's really exciting and great, and then after a while, you realize the minister's slightly irritating, a bit like the old one, but in different ways, and, um, you know, there's these ministries that are good, but these ones, what on earth are they doing? And, you know, it, it quickly becomes just normal. It quickly just becomes old. You start a new practice of prayer, and it feels really exciting and different and exhilarating because it's not like that boring thing you were doing before, but before not too long, it's just your practice of prayer. It's just kind of what you're doing. You know, you can start a new ministry of, um, your church starts a new ministry serving the poor, and it's all really exciting and great, but after a while, it's that old ministry that we've been doing for a long time, and the, the excitement kind of leaves, and we're just kind of left with what is. There's a real danger in a, a spirituality that just pursues kind of the excitement of the novel, because actually the life of Jesus is, 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 is more like a good marriage. You know, in, in a good marriage, when you first get together, like Katie and I are, you know, um, well past the stage now where, where things are new. You know, that first time where you meet and it's exciting and you hold hands and, oh, and, and you say, I love you and oh my goodness. And, you know, there's all these fluttering feelings. And it's amazing. And it's exciting. But, but that wears off over time. That, that, that kind of initial excitement goes. But what I've found is that actually what takes its place is a depth. A depth that comes from the familiarity. A depth that comes from walking together over many years faithfully and kind of knowing one another more and more and trusting one another more and more. And, and, and I think that... Is, is, is the kind of spirituality that we need to live into. It's about a faithful commitment to the right practices. That, you know, just like going to the gym, it, it's not always exciting and fun. Sometimes you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, I can't be bothered. Or it's raining and you think, oh, I don't want to go for that run, I'm going to get wet. But like, it, and it doesn't feel great, but you do it anyway because you know that the long-term benefit is going to, be paying, is going to pay off. You know, that's the life of Jesus. It's about a commitment to the right things, whether or not in the moment they feel good, whether in the moment they feel exciting, but you commit to them because whilst you might not always notice a difference day to day, you notice a difference year to year as he works a work of transformation in us, as we commit faithfully to just a few practices over the long haul. I'm really excited as we kind of move forward as a church because I, I think God is inviting us into something more of his life. And I think the invitation is an invitation ultimately to go deeper with him. Um, and, and, and that's an invitation that's not about kind of like taking a running leap and jumping into the deep end of a swimming pool. It, it, it's more like a kind of walk that we're getting closer to the destination, but it's about just taking a small step. 
And then maybe when you're ready, taking that next small step, but continuing to take those small steps in the right direction towards the destination, towards the life of God. And that's not something that I can do. Like, that's not something that, like, you know, I can't make us as a church inhabit our mission mandate. The PCC can't do it. It's not going to happen because we get the ministries right and we pick the right things. It's going to happen because as a whole people in this place, we commit to just taking that next step with him. And then that next step with him. And then that next step with him. And each step of the journey that we take, we will experience him doing a work of transformation and slowly but surely making us ever increasingly, little by little, an increasing visible presence of renewal where we are placed in this world and therefore a beacon of hope that points to the good life that is only found in Jesus, that transforms this world and that is the hope for everyone. Shall I pray? Jesus, we want to respond to your invitation. We don't want to stay where we are. We want to journey on deeper with you as individuals and as a people. And Lord, I just pray that you would just come now and give us whatever it is we need by your Spirit to just take that next step. Let's just spend a bit, a few minutes in God's presence and just... Just allow him to speak to you. It might be he wants to show you what that next step is. It might be he just wants to affirm his love for you this afternoon. Yeah, come Holy Spirit, meet with us, I pray.